Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our Easter 2020 gathering. Although Easter this year is unlike any before it, we hope and pray it will be long remembered, not for COVID-19 or our quarantine, but rather the impact that our risen Savior can have on our lives. What a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes. It was just another day. This day started just like any other. Morning routines, commutes, schedules went on as planned. It was a clean, crisp autumn Tuesday. The sky looked so blue that there was not a cloud to be seen in the sky. Then the first report came in. A plane had struck the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. The image of the North Tower with a giant hole with smoke pouring out played on live TV. There was a mix of shock, confusion, and horror. All of the news channels shifted their planned coverage to focus instead on the giant burning tower in Manhattan. Sirens from the fire and rescue crews rushing to the scene could be heard in the distance. Then, as the world watched in horror, a second plane came barreling into the South Tower. The explosion could not be missed or mistaken for anything else. This was no accident. We were under attack. The next few hours seemed like a blur. A third plane hits the Pentagon. Both towers in New York collapse from the intense heat and Flight 93 crashes into a field in Pennsylvania after the passengers voted to become the first soldiers to enlist in this brand new war. That night, our country joined together in a unity that had not been seen in a generation. The events of September 11, 2001 will be forever etched in our memories. We will remember where we were, how we heard, and what we felt for the rest of our lives. While many things happened that day, one thing was for certain. Our world had completely changed. What a difference a day makes. Now. While that might not sound like your typical uplifting Easter message, I want to contend that it's the very heart of why we've gathered here today to celebrate. What a difference a day makes. Interestingly, I had planned this message well before the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. I had no clue this Easter that our world would have changed yet again forever. But I've been saying this the whole time, church, God knew. And as a church, we have been in prayer for this Easter Sunday for months now, believing that God wants to move in a mighty way. And I believe it's safe to say that this will be an Easter we will long remember. And as with September 11th, our current COVID-19 pandemic has exposed really how fragile what we hold on to can be. What can seem so important all of a sudden really no longer matters. Things that we had barely given any attention to are now the center focus of our world. Last week, we had Andy Holster, and if you didn't get a chance to watch that, go back and watch that message. He's a small business owner here in Yankton, and he made the statement that his business was going 100 miles an hour, and literally, it stopped to a screeching halt. What a difference a day can make. And it is with Easter as well. For over two millennium, 
on this one day every year billions of people gather from every culture every climate every corner of the planet to celebrate jesus defeating death once and for all now whether you believe that's true or whether you're watching because somebody drug you here forced you to do it you feel guilted into doing it you tune in every year in easter no matter where you're at on that spectrum one thing that you can't deny is the impact that easter has what a difference a day makes. Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Friends, on this Easter Sunday, I want you to understand one of two things happened. Either Jesus did rise from the dead, or he did not. And if he did not, as many in our world claim today, who say this is just a fairy tale, if that's true, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then this is all a big waste of time. I'm not just talking about Easter Sunday. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about my entire profession. All of that is a big waste of time. And if you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. For only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, all of this is a big waste of time, and we are to be most pitied among all the people. But church friends, I'm here to tell you today, if he did, if Jesus did raise from the dead, which I contend he did, it changes everything. I would say we don't really understand Easter. Even if you follow Jesus, I don't think we fully get it. Because if we did, it would change our world. What a difference a day makes. So just for a little while here, I just kind of want to go down this road with you. Because I've heard it said by multiple people, the Bible was written hundreds of years after Jesus. It was made up by a bunch of men who wanted to control my behavior. And it really has no relevance to our own lives today. I want you to go back to where I was reading those events of September 11th at the beginning. What I'm hoping is many of you were thinking back, my age and older, were remembering where you were, how you heard, how you felt, all of those things as you heard me say those things. And if I were to add in there something like, and then a giant spaceship landed in the Grand Canyon, you'd have been like, oh, wait a minute, that didn't actually happen. Here's my point in saying that. The events of September 11th are nearly 20 years ago, which is almost the exact same time frame that the disciples decided we really need to write down the events of Jesus. And the same reason was that the exact same reason why I just said is because they wanted to remember. In our world today, there are people who go so far as to say the events of September 11th didn't actually happen. If you don't believe me, go check out YouTube. There's some really I'll just call them interesting people. 
But all of those people had the exact same problem, and I don't want you to miss this. There are people who were actually there. <laughs> there were people who were at Ground Zero. There were people who were at the Pentagon. So when anybody says, well, that didn't actually happen, they can be completely dismissed because there were people that there. This is such a significant event that we need to record it. We need to make sure it's preserved long after we die. And that's the exact same thinking that the disciples had with the resurrection of Jesus. See what a difference a day makes. And how much more did they need to preserve it back then? So many people back then didn't have access to reading, didn't have access to writing, didn't know how to read or write. It was very expensive to do that. So for them to sit down and actually write this stuff out, that was a very significant thing. So what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at the Gospel Luke, the account that I just read of Jesus' resurrection. But I want to go way back to the beginning. And I want to read it to you, not as the Bible. I want to read it to you as a guy named Luke. And going back to the beginning of Luke, Luke chapter 1, this is what Luke said. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. I want to unpack some things from that statement that Luke made. The first thing I want to unpack is where he says many. Now, you may know by growing up in church, or maybe you've heard it before, there are four accounts of the life of Jesus recorded in the Bible. We call them the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, this one, Luke, and John. For Luke to say many, we're pretty sure that Luke was familiar with at least Mark. Um, but for Luke to say many is probably more than three. Which is to say there were lots of people at that time that were writing lots of things about Jesus. So that tells me that it's a pretty significant event. The second thing that I want to point out that Luke says is it was handed down by first eyewitnesses. This is very important because Luke is admitting, look, I wasn't there. To use the September 11th analogy, Luke would say, I wasn't at ground zero, but I talked to the people who were. I went right to the source and I said, hey, tell me what happened. The other thing that Luke said is I myself have investigated it. That is such a key phrase, and there's no way to really misconstrue this. The person who is writing this is saying, I myself have investigated, have talked to the people who are there, and the purpose which he closes with, to give an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Church, one of the things that I have personally really tried in my life is to really understand is this happen? Is the account that we have of Jesus accurate? And even as a pastor, I still want to learn and I still want to grow. And so back in September, I dedicated my quiet times specifically to studying the four Gospels. And that was in preparation for this message today. Because I spent almost six months walking through all four Gospels and recording the lives and events that they record of Jesus' life in a way I've never done it before. And this is what I found by my careful investigation, just as Luke did as well. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record 157 events in the life of Jesus. Now, that's my count. So I would say just what Luke would say, fact check me. Go back and read it for yourself. But for example, walking on the water, changing water into wine, those are events 
Those four Gospels record 157 events in the life of Jesus. Now, here's the problem that we run into. Because I thought, okay, of those 157 events, how many of those are recorded in all four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all say this event happened. Those are pretty significant events. What's the number out of 157? Well, what I found was many scholars have found there's only 21 of those events that occur in all four Gospels. For some, they would look at that and they would say, well, see, four people, all these different events, they can only agree on 21 of those. But I want to flip that for a second because here's my point. Of those 21 events, 15 of those events occurred in the last week of Jesus' life. 15 of those 21 events that are recorded in all four Gospels, all four Gospels record that. What's my point in saying that? The last week of Jesus' life is the most recorded event in human history before September 11, 2001. Again, think about how massive this is, that four ancient accounts from four different people in four different places would record 15 of the exact same things in the week of the life of Jesus. It's if to say, look, Jesus did a lot of things. John even goes so far as to say this. Jesus did so many things that if we wrote them down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world. But of all the things that Jesus did in 33 years of life, this last week of his life really, really matters. And I'm not even saying, I'm not even saying you have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead yet, okay? What I'm here to say, based on all of that, what is written is what actually happened. What we have recorded is what actually happened. What a difference a day makes. But I know there's some that are still not convinced. And I want you to know that's okay. I want to say welcome home. This is a place where it's okay to still doubt and to still ask questions. And so for that, I want to unpack this a little more, the story of Jesus, what we're learning. And we want to go to John. John was one of the disciples that was actually there. And John takes us on a journey of what happened later in that day after the tomb was found empty. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, I want to just pause right there for a second. If you are making up a story, wouldn't you want to make yourself the hero of the story, right? I was the one, and I stood there, and I was like, John doesn't do that. And in fact, none of the four Gospels record anything like that. Look at, listen to what John says again. The disciples were hiding and they were afraid. Another key point that I can't pass by is the fact that there were women were the first ones to discover Jesus. Now, if you know anything about history, you understand that women in that culture and at that time were cons considered not even human. They were considered property. What I'm saying is, if you wanted to convince somebody of a story, you wouldn't start the story with, yeah, there were a bunch of women and this is what they found. All right. Now, we know that to be true because think about this for what's happening here. There's a bunch of men sitting around wondering what to do. And then there's a bunch of women actually out doing it. Okay. In my life, that sounds pretty convincing right there. That right there just convinces me of it because that sounds pretty accurate. All right. Jesus, the other thing that we need to understand is that three different times, three different times, Jesus had pulled his disciples, his 12 closest followers together. And this is what he said to them. Guys, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. 
I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But don't worry. Three days later, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Three different times Jesus said that. Now, if your friend were to tell you that, you might look at him kind of funny. And the disciples did. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. But why do I tell you that? Because the disciples, once they heard the report from the women that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, don't miss this, not one, not one of them went, oh, look, it's just as he said. They were still sitting in fear. They were still sitting in doubt. They were still sitting and wondering if this really happened. So if you are here today and you're feeling the same way, you feel the exact same way as the disciples did. And I absolutely love how Andy Stanley says it. He says, nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected nobody. There was not one of the disciples that were standing outside Jesus' tomb on Easter Sunday going, 10, 9, 8, right? None. And you wouldn't have done it either. Do you know why that's the case? Because when people die, they stay dead. Jesus, we followed you for three years. Jesus, we saw great things. We heard you teach amazing things. And then we saw you up on that cross. We saw you breathe your last breath. We saw you die. We saw the spear go into your side. We saw the blood and the water flow out. We saw you dead. And when that happened, we saw it. game over. I guess we missed it. I guess that didn't happen. I guess I was wrong because when people die, they stay dead. And if that's you today, listen to what John says right after that. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord Jesus was there. He stood among him. If you're a guest, I would highly encourage you to go back to week eight of our Dream On series, where I unpack this idea even further and explain how this impacted the life of Peter and how it would change him. But for the sake of time today, I want to just help you with something to understand. These were simple men. These were uneducated men. These were scared men. And after that point, after that point of seeing Jesus, every single one of them would stand to their death on the fact that Jesus was alive. What a difference a day can make. But I would contend there's some of you listening right now who still aren't convinced. And if that's the case, I can probably guess why. And I want to illustrate it to you in the story of Little Billy's Sunday School Teacher. Now, Little Billy's Sunday School Teacher, I'm sure, had good intentions. But Little Billy's Sunday School Teacher was very strict, was not very nice to the class, maybe. It's one of these things where you wonder, do you even like children? And if you don't, that's okay if you don't like kids. Just don't try to teach them. Now, some of you might be thinking of a teacher or an adult in your life, okay? Do not say their name. All right, if they're in the room with you, do not look at them. But this was little Billy's Sunday school teacher. Well, one day the Sunday school teacher was trying to impress the children. And so he asked the question, why do you think people say I'm a Christian? Well, little Billy, who always had trouble keeping his tongue quiet and his thoughts would just kind of blurt out um, without even thinking, blurted out to the teacher, probably because they don't know you very well. <laughs> And I say this with a broken heart. There are two reasons 
why someone isn't a follower of Jesus Christ. It's either they've never met someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, or unfortunately, they have met someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And it didn't look very much like Jesus. It looked more like little Billy's Sunday school teacher. If Jesus of Nazareth actually lived and did what is recorded and said what is written and went to the cross willingly and died undeservingly for me and he rose from the dead and he conquered death forever and ever, I wouldn't be concerned about another person's sin because I'd be too broken over my own. I wouldn't care what program a church offered or didn't offer. I would offer myself as a living sacrifice for any service I could possibly give to God's church. I wouldn't bother about what other people said about me. I would only focus on what God said about me. I wouldn't stress out about what party controlled the White House. I would take responsibility for my house. I wouldn't worry about the economy because my God shall supply all my needs according to his great riches in Christ Jesus. I wouldn't think that Sunday morning is optional. If there's something better going on, I'll do that instead. I couldn't wait to get and bask in God's presence and fellowship with God's people, even if it's online, even if it's through a chat box on a computer. I wouldn't focus on acquiring earthly treasure and building up my own kingdom where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But instead, I would build for myself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal, where my eternity is set. I wouldn't fear death or persecution or COVID-19. I would understand that this world is not my home, that we live in a fallen and broken world, but Jesus has come to redeem it. See, if you're a follower, if you are not a follower of Jesus, the problem is, and I would contend in this country, you've seen more of the former than the latter. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if we truly understood Easter, this would change everything about us. And I'm not here to throw stones, church. As I'm reading through that list, I'm feeling convicted myself of ways that I can understand and really see that if I truly believe this, is this my heart? Because if it is, it would change everything. And here's what I don't want you to miss. That change is absolutely irresistible. What a difference a day can make. Jesus didn't die just to punch your ticket to heaven. He gave his life so you can change the world. We prayed in the Lord's Prayer every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. If our job was, if Jesus, the whole point of Easter was just to punch my ticket to heaven, as soon as I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I would die immediately and go straight to heaven. But if you're still here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have one goal, and that is to live out his plan and his purposes to draw so many more people to him. So the question I want to ask you today is, does your relationship with Jesus draw people towards Jesus? Or does it repel them for me? That's a hard question to ask. And I would say that we can make that difference today. This Easter Sunday, what a difference a day can make. So today, if you're here and you've never made that decision, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. 
We say it in the Lord's Prayer all the time, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Not one, my will. Thy will, not my will. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to reflect on that question I just said. Does my life draw people to Jesus? Or does my life repel them from me? If my life isn't drawing people to Jesus, there's some stuff I've got to take care of. And it's not the church's fault, it's not their fault. What do I need to change in my life? And if you're here today, and you're not still convinced, and you're not quite ready to make that step, again, we love you, that's okay, welcome home. But I'm gonna challenge you, and the other two groups as well, to join us for the next four weeks. We're gonna start next week a series called Awesome Relationships. And I think this series is, we planned this again six months ago, but I think this series is gonna be more relevant and more impactful now than ever. Because relationships are so important in how we interact. And again, even if you're not ready to commit to Jesus yet, you still need help in your marriage. You still need help in, in problems with your friendships. We still need to work on our relationships with our families. We're gonna talk about, on Mother's Day, our relationships with our moms and how that can be. Awesome relationships, it starts next week, and I'm gonna challenge you to come and be committed for the next five weeks that Sunday is at 10 o'clock, I'm gonna tune in and I'm gonna watch this and I'm gonna see and I'm gonna give this Jesus a chance. What a difference a day makes. And today, this Easter Sunday 2020, can make all the difference for you in your life. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus. I thank you that you went to great lengths to preserve and record his words, his actions. And all these years later, God, we can go back and we can know, just as Luke said, with certainty, the hope that we have in you. And Jesus, I thank you for the accuracy and the details that you put in to that last week of your time here on earth and the significance of your arresting, your betrayal, your crucifixion, but most importantly, your resurrection. Jesus, I, I, I pray just as Paul prayed, God, we do have a hope that this world is not our home, that this is a fallen and broken place and you have something far better for us waiting on the other side. But our job while we're here is to try to make your kingdom here on earth what you desire. And God, that starts in our relationships. So if there's anyone listening in the sound of my voice that has not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ, or maybe you did it a long time ago, and maybe you say, today's the day I need to make that commitment. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've done things that I'm ashamed of, and I'm sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, I fully accept your death, and most importantly, your resurrection, as not only the forgiveness of my sins, but also the eternity, the security of my eternity in your kingdom. God, I don't deserve that gift, but I thank you that you give it to me freely. And Jesus, I commit to you that for the rest of my life, I'm gonna serve your church so that I can draw more people to a relationship with you. If you've just prayed that prayer, I just want you to know all of heaven is celebrating with you. And that's the point of Easter. God, thank you so much 
for those lives that have just been changed forever, God. We celebrate together with them. And God, we pray as your church family, we would come alongside them even in this time of doubt and uncertainty, but we would help to lift them up, protect them, God, and help them grow in this faith. God, I thank you so much for this next series where we're going to learn about how we can have relationships with other people that look like relationships that you have with us. And we thank you and praise you and ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Due to the COVID-19 outbreak, all our gatherings are currently online only. You can join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our website, yankton.church. During that time, we offer live chat as well as prayer. We also hold live online meetings the other six days of the week as well. For more details or times, you can email us at hello at yankton.church or you can call or text 605-679-7224. Don't miss our updates on Facebook or YouTube either. You can like or follow us there as well.